Welcome to My Heart Songs Podcast number 149, The Hunt 2021. I was a vegetarian for years and understand that this topic may be hard to relate to for some. I used to say I was a non-limbic system, fish and fowl okay flexitarian. However, recent studies indicate that fish can feel pain and birds do indeed have brain structures resembling a limbic system, hence emotions. For me, it's important to be intimately familiar with the main meat source in my life. I don't generally eat beef or pork because of the conditions in which they are commonly raised. I try to eat fowl domesticated under more caring circumstances, but it is still taking a life to support my own. I'm aware of that. I do engage in the hunting process with awareness, kindness, and respect. The morning drive to the Crucis Basin through Golden Aspen is lovely, and the ride down from the horse trailer to our hunting camp uneventful. All of my gear and food fits on Durango along with me with a backpack on. It's windy, and the clouds are moving at amazing speed across the landscape. The blessing calling poem has begun, although it needs some refinement. Beautiful cow elk, we honor your sacrifice. Thank you for your gift. Come to us quickly, dear one that together we may rest. By 3.30, the horses are secured, the latrine ready, some water purified from our lovely hillside natural spring with its small pool. Tent is up. We banter a bit with the two young bucks. Florian has come on a couple of previous hunts with us, and this year Dieter comes to help him hunt on foot. Although no, not forecast, it rains on and off all night, but initially the morning is just cloudy. There are more hunters this year, some camped only about a third of a mile from us, and much less bugling is happening. We set off at daybreak and see two cows with a bull, but they are out of range and disappear quickly. There's another group of three cows with a big bull and juvenile bull. Jack goes off on foot but never gets the chance at a shot since they have quickly moved on. It's a long wait, and finally I whistle to be sure he can find me through the fairly dense woods. Back in the saddle, we continue to head southwest with the wind in our faces, following the sounds of two different bugling bulls. The weather starts to deteriorate with waves of hail and then steady, heavy rain. We take some shelter under dense woods a couple of times, but it's a long, wet, miserable ride back to camp. My pants are totally soaked, as are my gloves and boots, though my jacket has mostly kept my trunk dry. We never normally light a fire till the end of the hunt, but Jack manages with considerable difficulty since everything is soaked to get a huge blaze going while I try to warm up in the tent in my bag. We get a brief respite from rain and I spend an hour getting items to dry out, especially my only pair of pants. The evening ride under dense clouds is dry and we soon encounter a spike bull not far from camp. Jack uses his cow call, and he starts to come to us, pauses, then with another call, continues to approach. Then he decides it's a bad idea and runs off. Simply magical. We often joke that when we have a cow tag, we see lots of bulls and vice versa. We encounter an undefined group moving fast ahead of us. Jack goes off on foot, but again, no possibility since they are long gone. As we return during sunset on day one of the hunt, there is a magnificent band of light illuminating the whole tree-covered Toltec Mesa to the northeast. Just as we are coming to the descent of the last big hill down to our camp, we see four cows on an opposite hill. They look at us briefly, and the wind is not in our favor, so they quickly run off. 
As we continue to come down towards camp, I see another flash of brown move to the east. We climb again a bit to see if we might cut the animal off, but he or she is long gone. The night is cold and clear and full of endless stars. The blessing is evolving a bit as sacrifice changes to offering and come quickly morphs to when you're ready. I love the process, with some word shift often occurring during the long nights of many awakenings. Day two of the hunt appears with the usual 5.30 get out of the warm bag into clothes to get things going. Everything is sparkling with heavy frost, and the stars are brilliant as ever. We go a long stretch with no game and not even a single bugle. Clouds move in and light snow falls. We head southeast in the hopes of finding some elk near where we got a bull two years ago. I see two cows and we quickly dismount, me holding both horses as Jack goes off on foot for a spell. Again, we may have been busted as the wind had died down with the elk long gone. The sun comes out, which is a welcome relief from what has been the worst weather we've ever encountered on a hunt. Little did we know what was still in store for us. We enter a clearing on the way back, and there are two animals ahead of us, one grazing, the other just looking at us. I move slightly to get behind a tree down slope, and in my moment of mindless haste, I fall while dismounting. Thankfully, years of Aikido training, with all of its falling down and getting up again, allow me to just go with the flow, and I land on soft earth, mostly on my right hip and arm. I'm able to get up right away. Unfortunately, one of the animals looking our way decides it's time to go, and they bound off two deer, which was not immediately evident because of the distance. Deer are primarily browsers, while elk mostly graze. I know you really want to understand the difference, so here we go. Browsers are herbivores that feed on relatively low-nutrient leaves, bark, soft shoots, shrubs, and fruits of higher-growing plants. Ibex, goats, moose, and deer are prime examples. Grazers are herbivores that feed on grass and other low-growing vegetation near ground level with higher nutrient content. They include cattle, horses, and elk. Elk may browse at times when bills need minerals to build antlers or cows need additional fats for newborns to nurse. End of summer, they are seeking more protein and fat to store for the winter. It takes an astounding variety of plant life for these animals to thrive. We often see with the horses that at certain times of the year they are more eager for certain wild foods while ignoring others they normally eat. Amazing. Somehow humans sitting in front of the idiot box consuming a variety of junk food doesn't seem to have the same natural flow of being. As we head back to drop down the steep hill near our camp, again we are treated to some special moments. A four-point bull is strolling gracefully right in front of us, downhill, moving across our line of sight. He's completely oblivious to us because the wind is in our favor. When Jack uses his cow call, the bull looks at us, seemingly trying to decide if the visual matches the auditory. He waits a long time looking at us, but with the second cow call, decides we are not the real thing and ambles off unalarmed. Very special moment. We had heard two shots earlier in the morning, and the young bucks are not at camp, so we're hoping they have gotten their cow, though Florian has not satellite texted us yet. They appear in camp early afternoon with big smiles. They had encountered a young cow in the dense woods not far from camp who froze at the sight of them. They had done the quartering and were just back for a break before hauling the meat back to camp. 
They spent all of the next day backpacking it out in three trips up to the car park area. Ah, youth. Bravi. Jack and I are getting progressively knackered, and I wonder if I can really keep doing this until I'm 75. It feels good to nap and then sit in the sun out of the wind near the Cruces stream and watch a mama hawk practice flying with its young one and contemplate land dreams and the few things I would still like to accomplish in my lifetime. And after a few days out here, when I close my eyes to sleep, I'm filled with mountain and tree images, a lovely transition deeper into this reality. The evening ride brings us upon a mother and her young calf who saw us as we saw them and took off in a hurry. Just as well. I would have not felt good about leaving that young one to fend for itself with winter coming. A bit later, as we are working an area just above the Cruces drainage, beautiful elk country with fir and aspen and small open areas or parks, even some marshy patches to avoid here and there. We come upon a gorgeous big cow, standing broadside to us about 30 yards away, wind in our favor. She looks at us for what feels like a long time. We're mesmerized. Jack is reluctant to shoot from horseback right over the horse's ears, and if he dismounts, the elk will likely run. So we just stare at each other, this interspecies profound momentary connection. She finally just turns and ambles off into the denser woods. I feel at that moment that this was the cow I had been calling in for us. The blessing had changed again with the last line being, Welcome, come to us, dear one. So many little moments might have changed the outcome of us arriving at that point just a half minute earlier. How long it took us to saddle the horses, the times we stopped and route, all the brief passages of time that led us that, to that encounter at just the right moment for her to continue living and us to lose our elk this go-around. I try to shake that feeling, but it does not. but it does keep surfacing over the rest of the hunt. She was the one meant for us, and it was just not meant to be this year. The ride back is marred by my getting angry at Durango, who does not want to go at our slow pace, pausing here and there, but wants to get back to camp already. He keeps yanking his head in annoyance, and I finally lose it and yank back hard on his bit, circling him five times and then backing him up quite a distance to show my displeasure at his constant nagging behavior. But done in anger, and so not skillfully, just blind. Then Jack's bridle breaks, luckily when we are at a walk and repairable. We finally arrive back at camp near dark. I feed the horses their oats, then hobble and stake them, eat something, and crash early. Day three begins with a cold ride, five ravens heading the same direction we are, then a running flash in the woods near camp, then a group of seven too far away for any action. We wave to two other hunters on horseback a considerable distance away, then stop at a beautiful aspen grove near the headwaters of the Cruces. It feels great to have some sunshine as aspen leaves rain down, but the wind still makes the morning cold. We encounter two cows on the way back. Joe's Jack goes on foot again, but no luck. The afternoon sun does its job, and my tent finally feels sauna-like, too hot to stay totally in the bag for the first time. I sit out again as the young bucks Florian and Dieter come back for their final trip out and back. My haiku blessing calling poem has finally found its final form. Beautiful elk cow, sharing life's dance till sweet death. Thank you for your gift. We honor your offering. Come to us and rest, dear one. 
The evening ride is discouraging, with little game sighted just a fleeting pair and then maybe five running in the big park all too far away. We hear no shots at all most of the times we have been out, so other hunters in the vicinity are also not having much luck. Day four begins as usual with the 5 a.m. morning chores. Get up in the dark and cold. Go unstake Axel and Durangle on hobbles will usually come along. Tie them to their hitching trees. Feed them oats. Get water from the spring and purify it. Jack boil some and we have a hot drink. Latrine visits. Saddle and load the horses with needed gear for the hunt. We head southeast again since we have not had success mostly hunting to the southwest. We quickly encounter two hunters on foot who tell us that six inches of snow are forecast for today. The sky is cloudy with a few flurries, but not socked in, so we go off on our morning hunt, mostly following a high game trail. We think we'll have plenty of time and that the storm will likely hit later towards evening, even though we are aware of the unpredictability of weather at this altitude this time of year. We see no game, though we do hear two shots. In dense woods, despite my constantly paying attention, I get whacked in my left cheekbone by a breaking branch. Luckily, no cut or even significant bruising, and my eye is totally okay. A reminder of how one false step out here can have significant consequences. About an hour out, the weather starts deteriorating quickly with heavy dry snow and windy conditions. I remember the moment quite clearly when the ride ceased to be about hunting and more about survival. We are at about 9,500 feet, find and then lose and then find again the main game trail that will lead us back close to camp without having to fight our way through denser fir and aspen forests loaded with tricky deadfall. The path is getting snowed over as we go. We manage to get back to camp cold but not totally soaked thanks to the colder temps. Decision time. Do we wait it out in the tents, try to pack up and leave, just head for the car area and get the gear the next day? It's not just ourselves we have to think about, it's the horses as well. Much more difficult for them to graze with snow on the ground. We still have oats, but they will be exposed all night to freezing temps and snowfall and their blankets are back at the trailer. So we decide to pack as quickly as possible and break camp. It's no fun getting it all together as the snow and wind continue, as some of you may have experienced yourselves. We empty the tents and have a basic plan for how to load everything. We're hoping one horse can be riven while the other just carries gear. Turns out not to be possible with the pack saddle and everything we've brought in the hopes of carrying out meat. We will both have to walk. We get the horses fed and loaded and then as a final step help each other get our tents down. It's a long, brutal journey out. The horses want to get home quickly and are impatient with our slow pace. Shouts of back, back, constantly get lost in the wind as we try to keep them behind us and not trampling on our feet. The trail rocks are hidden in snow and some parts are dangerous and difficult. The combo of cold, wind, and heavy snow make me wonder how our ancestors or the mountain men or <clears throat> and women or indigenous peoples ever managed to survive such conditions without the prote- protective safety uh, and warmth of car and trailer to look forward to not to mention the high-tech clothing and camping gear. They clearly were smarter than us in the ways of the woods, and perhaps there was much more available game, but still many, no doubt, died young. 
We take a break under a big fir and eat something. Then decide for the last big 300 feet of elevation gain, basically all uphill, it might be best for Jack to ride. So we completely unload Axel and ditch the pack saddle and its full panniers near the stream by a fir tree. Get him saddled up and Jack takes off leading Durango. This way he and the horses will get to safety quicker and I will just have to deal with myself and my 20-pound pack without struggling with leading Durango up the steep inclines. It's a long climb, which I've done many times before, but never in a snowstorm. I keep wiggling my fingers as my gloves are soaking wet and starting to just freeze up. The potential for frostbite is a real concern. I lose the trail near the top and walk an extra quarter mile, but finally get back. My mind often goes to the plight of more than half a million people experiencing homelessness in this country and the 82-plus million forcibly displaced humans in the world, of which more than a quarter remain refugees. So much suffering for them, constantly exposed to the elements and lacking the basics I so often take for granted. The horses are eating fresh hay. Jack has found their blankets and put some water to boil. I drink something hot. We get the protective gear covering on the boys, even as the snowfall starts to lighten up a bit. I get in the car, change into dry clothes, and keep the heater running for a bit to try and dry out my pants, gloves, and boots and make it toasty inside. Eat something and then crash in my sleeping bag. At one point, the sun briefly comes out, and I wonder if we had made a wrong choice, but then the wind and snow return, and the horses are in a much better position to be protected to weather the rest of the storm with their blankets and food somewhat protected from the winds by how they're tied up to the trailer. It's a long, cold night for all of us, but the morning holds some sunshine amidst rapidly dancing clouds. More snow predicted for layer, so Jack heads down to recover the gear we left as I put chains on his truck tires and do some camp breakdown prep work. It's been quite the adventure. No elk gift this year, but six out of seven is pretty good. Were it not for losing out on basically four hunt opportunities, we might have had a different outcome. I'm extremely grateful for all the beautiful moments and magnificent animal encounters in the midst of considerable hardship and challenges. Onward home safe and sound, and ever appreciative of the good things about our civilized existence. Thanks as always for listening, and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.